Hello and welcome to The Way Things Used to Be. I'm your host, Don Williams. If you grew up in the 1960s and 70s, then you probably at one time played with a portable tape recorder of some sort. When I return, I'll tell you about the cassette recorder and all the fun I had playing with one as a kid. I'll also talk about those fond childhood memories and the challenges of tape recorders with my good friend Steve Wright. Don't go away. Cassette tape recorders were used for many things in their heyday. You could use a pocket-sized one to record voice notes and take dictation. They were usually noisy and not much good for anything else. More sophisticated home stereo systems used cassettes for state-of-the-art recording and playback so you could listen to your music collection in your car or make a mixtape of your favorite songs to play anytime. The more common type of tape recorder that I used to use was a tabletop unit. They had a carrying handle, a handheld microphone with an on-off switch, and ran on C-sized batteries. This tape recorder fueled my childhood creativity and forever changed my life. It all started when my dad brought home a pocket tape recorder from work one weekend. He used it to dictate notes. He let me play with it and I recorded all sorts of things like my family sitting at the table eating dinner and sounds from television shows. I would even record music from my record player and read comic books into the microphone. It was fun to play the tape back and hear it just as I recorded it, but my voice sounded a little strange. And the reason for that is because the way you hear your voice is through your ear canals, so it sounds different when it comes out of a speaker. I even created my own sound effects for my adventures. I had quite a creative imagination. This was such a fun thing and I had a lot of plans for that little pocket tape recorder. But then, the weekend was over and Dad had to take the tape recorder back to work. I was sad and wished I had my own to play with. It wasn't long after that that Dad bought a very nice high-end Bell & Howell cassette recorder. It was in a leather case, had big blue click buttons and a handheld microphone that I could turn the tape on and off with. I even had my own cassette tape that I could keep. I was a very popular kid in the second grade when I brought the tape recorder to class and let all the kids record their voices. I walked up to each one of them and let them see their names, and then I played it back for them. I think it was during show and tell. I don't really know what my dad used a tape recorder for other than taking it to the county fair and recording the chickens and roosters in the poultry exhibit. Oh yeah, one time we took it to the movies and tried to record the sound from Star Wars back in 1977. The only problem with that was that the batteries were in backwards. Once Dad realized what the problem was, he promptly took it out to the lobby in front of everyone and fumbled with them until he got it working again. Unfortunately, we missed all but the last 13 minutes of the movie. When I think back at it now, I'm surprised we didn't get kicked out of the theater. Cassettes had their share of problems as well, like getting tangled in the machine. Once I used a pencil to get the tape back into a cassette, there would always be a bad spot and it sounded awful because it was wrinkled. Occasionally, I would be bold and repair the damage by cutting it out with a pair of scissors and using scotch tape to put it back together. This kind of problem typically happened with cheap cassettes because I couldn't afford nicer ones. I remember one time I went to Woolworth Woolco to buy a three-pack of tapes for 99 cents. There were a couple of kids about my age in the checkout just in front of me and they laughed when they saw me holding the cheap cassettes. Embarrassed, I wanted to leave the store without them, but I knew I would do creative things with those budget-minded tapes. As I got older, I was able to afford better tapes and a nicer component stereo tape deck. The recordings got better over time and I started making tapes for my Sparkomatic car stereo. Sadly, all of this would change with the introduction of the compact disc in the mid-1980s. 
I was now buying music on CD instead of cassette. High-end cassettes were still good for recording mixtapes for the car, but the source was now a CD and not a dub from another cassette. Everything went downhill for cassettes when recordable CDs came onto the scene, and I swooped it up quickly. Cassettes were soon left on the shelf to collect dust. Today, I still have some of those old cassettes that I recorded as a kid, mainly for the nostalgia because they have already been digitally recorded and stored on a computer hard drive. Some of them I just can't let go of, like that first cassette that sparked my imagination when I was just eight years old. Welcome back to The Way Things Used to Be. On the computer right now via Skype is my good friend Steve Wright from Plantation, Florida. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. This is my second podcast with you. Yes, so. and it, uh, it's, it's great. The technology has changed just in that short time because now it sounds like you're in the same room with me. So much better than over the old cell phone the last time around. Yes, we've I think we've ironed out the, uh, the, the problems we might have had before. Now it's a much smoother air quality. Absolutely. So. Let's, let's, let's get this rolling, eh? All right. All right. Uh, cassette tapes. I got some questions I'm going to run by you, and I'll give you my take on, on things as well. So let's get going here. Um, so the first time you used a cassette recorder, uh, can you tell me about that? Uh, definitely mid-'70s when I was about eight or nine. I think my dad uh, had one at home, and I started uh, playing with it. He saw I was taking a liking to it, and he just kind of like let me have it after a while. That was my first brand new kind of like electronic toy. You know, I didn't uh, have a video game to play with or, you know, back then it was all, everything was practical. There was no, uh, but I had something in my hands that I could manipulate. And, and the cassette recorder was exactly what I was interested in. It made me think about what I could possibly do with technology. And then uh, uh, you get your family involved, you get your uh, friends involved, and you start learning how to record and play back. And hearing your stuff play back was interesting, you know, uh, but uh the idea came up to record more than play yourself. I wanted to hear things that I enjoyed watching on television, and that led to things later on that I wanted to record and have as a memory, you know, to always listen back to. Right, right. And for me, it was the same thing, right? Probably around 74, my dad had one that he brought home from work, and I played with that thing so much. I recorded stuff off the TV. I recorded my own voice. I would turn it on and just record the sounds in the house, mom and dad talking about the checkbook at the table, pouring a bowl of cereal and, and listening to the talk in the room. That's what I did with it. It was so fun. In fact, I still have the original tape that I started recording on back in 74. I still have it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and, and it's still preserved today. But anyway, um, yeah. you'd like to record movies, right? Yeah, I was definitely into uh, full feature-length movies. I, if it was an hour and a half or two hours, I had to buy cassette tapes that had the proper length. Uh, most of them were, were you know, 90-minute cassettes, you know, so you had to figure on a, a half, an hour and a half movie. But if I wanted a two-hour movie, I'd have to get the extra play cassettes, ones that had an hour on each side, so you Yikes. could learn how to flip it. Yeah, so I learned later on that the longer the tape, the thinner it was, and then you'd There'd be more risk of it uh, breaking or damaging when you tried to flip things over or play back. The the sturdier ones were the 60 minute or the 90 minute ones. So right, and I know I those, up, I know those yeah. um, those 120 minute tapes. They could snap just rewinding them. Yeah, very easily. I learned that. Uh, I, I wanted less ca tape capacity uh, storage wise. I wanted to have one movie if I could get it all on one tape. That was it. You know, I didn't want to have two parts to anything. But some movies went over two hours, and you, 
you had to think outside the box a little bit. Right. But this was this was all like at the dawn of cable TV. You know, this was back in '78 when I first moved uh, to Lansing. That right before we uh, became friends, that uh, having a cassette player when cable started was like the funnest part because you had a uh, multiple choices and you had pay TV services like HBO and Cinemax to record movies that you'd see uninterrupted. You know, uh, no right. commercial breaks, and that's that's what I wanted too. Uh, if you recorded a TV show, you had to pause it, wait for the commercial break which was like two to four minutes long and then time it right when it came back to start hit record again and it was tough because you'd have edit points that sounded like they were dropouts uh, yeah. throughout the show if you could if you could record a movie off of a pay service you know it'd be uninterrupted all you had to do was flip the tape over when it ran out and then and that that uh, was always kind of a sticky point too because you're getting toward the end of the tape and you yeah, gotta what, figure how out gonna transfer this? how you're going to flip it over real quick and hit record and how much are you going to miss when you do that? <laughs> right, probably it was up to like ten, fifteen seconds. I'd, I'd lose out of a movie, you know, by the time it take the leader what went through and then and then it would finally start recording and you you catch it in the middle of a sentence or something. Yep. Or if you got lucky, you could time it right when it ended in a scene there was no dialogue, you know, so it didn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This, for me, it was it was uh, TV shows like Star Trek. You know. Yeah. You get a sixty minute cassette, and you got what forty eight minutes of TV show. So there was always a little bit of tape left over at the end, but you still had that that point where you had to flip the tape over, uh, and and you always lost a little bit of that dialogue. Um, and I also like to record like um, half hour shows like Gilligan's Island and stuff like that. I used to record those too. Half, half hour shows were great because yeah. uh, you could buy a sixty minute cassette, a uh, good quality one, and then record one episode on each side. And then you'd have room at the end if you paused it for commercials, and so you could actually uh, put a little, uh, just leave it for room at the end for something else. But uh, most of the time, it was nice to fit it nicely on a thirty-minute side, you know, one show. Right, right. And then uh, with with those tapes, I mean, it, we already talked a little bit about uh, the, the problems that we have with them. Uh, uh, sometimes they would get uh, they would get tangled up in the machine, or they would crunch and crinkle, and and uh, that was always a nightmare too. Because and I don't know how perfectionist you were about uh, having tapes that didn't have any uh, any problems with them. If there was the least little bit of crinkle in it, you didn't want that tape anymore, and you got rid of it. Exactly. Yeah, I'd have to um, plan out another time I could record that show and wait for it to come back around again on TV or or uh, when it would play again. So I studied the HBO uh, channel guide for the month, you know, so I knew different times when these movies were going to come back. So if I had a problem with at one time, I could try again, but I had to buy a new cassette, you know, and then uh, when I was, if I got a good recording, I'd pop the tabs on the top of the cassette so I couldn't accidentally record over it. And then I had a, a copy that I was happy with, and then I could play it back uh, uninterrupted at any time. It was, it was great. I could just listen to it going to sleep or, you know, uh, it was it was great to have that feel of having a library. Granted, it was on audio only, but there was a there was a mystery to it that made you think about things, well, visualize and, it. And also, you already had up in your mind you had the visualization because yeah. you've seen the movie. Now you're hearing the dialogue, but you're seeing the movie in your mind while you're hearing it. Right, and it's playing it back in real time. So it was the next best thing to having a video cassette. And before we had video cassettes, audio tapes were the main our main entertainment. <laughs> Um, another problem with cassette tapes too were like the cracked cases. I know uh, you're a perfectionist with a lot of things. You have to have things perfectly neat and everything. Writing out your labels just perfect, sticking the labels down, and sometimes it's, the label would curl up and peel off, and that would always be a problem. But the cases, you know, they open up, they look great. Uh, but then the first time you take the liner notes out and you look at it, it's all scratched up, and sometimes it's got cracks in it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's like uh, for a while you could you could go to stores and you could buy just packages of new boxes to put your tapes in to make them look fresh again. But uh, yeah, the cracks in the cases were just they were they were a mess. I hated that. Oh yeah, if you saw if you saw a crack in a case, you knew there was a defect somewhere. You thought that it wasn't good enough uh, that it would it wouldn't hold up. Uh, my my thing was labeling. I wanted to uh, create neat labels so I could. I didn't want to just scribble uh, the title of a movie or or something I was listening to music-wise. I wanted to – that's where my penmanship had to be really good. I, I took my time spelling out the titles of movies, and I used a different colored marker for something, and I put part one or part two. And then I got creative and typed it on a typewriter and then cut out the label with scissors and, and then put masking tape over the top of it to kind of give it a protective coat. <laughs> and that made it look more official, almost yeah. like a. Then, then I had a perfect copy. I had it on. T- I wasn't using my hand. I was. It was all typed out. It was nice and neat. Right. So um, yeah. I I do remember Radio Shack used to sell cassette tape labels, and they would come like in uh, like a different colors, and they would be like three on a page. And you could put them in a typewriter, and you could type right on them, and then there were sticky labels. You just pull it off, and it would cover the whole front of the cassette. It'd be perfect. I I still have a couple of cassettes floating around in my boxes somewhere that have those. So, I should have known about those. I didn't even use those. I did everything by hand. I did yeah, creative. Yeah. Well, then later, uh, like in the the late eighties, early nineties, when uh, you know people had their their computer printers, you could print with the inkjet mm-hmm. printer. They make cassette labels on a eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. You could fit. I think there were eight labels that could fit on that. Even those, they were made to be stuck on tape. Sometimes they they would curl up too and uh, cause the same problem. Well, that's where uh, that's where uh, scotch tape would come in handy. Like you could you could wrap it around the, the label and kind of keep it secure there. Uh, yep. But you had to make sure it was flat against the cassette, so when you put it into a player, it wasn't going to jam the tape in there. Yep. So you, would, you had to be able to eject it and put it in and make it make the lid go down smoothly. If that tape was around the edges and it was starting to come up a little bit, it would prevent the tape from going in properly. And then, uh, but you had to smooth everything out, cut it down, make sure it was one strip on one side each. Yep. Don't try, didn't try to wrap it around like a bandaid because it could curl back around and not fit in the, uh, you know, the lid. Right. Well, well, we were talking about like, you know, what benefit do you have to l- listen to audio back? That isn't in stereo. Like uh, these cassettes you record off the volume control of the TV. It wasn't giving you like the greatest quality of recording, you know. So you had to find a time when there was no background noise, no no distractions. You had to sit there and, and remain silent completely. You couldn't do anything that would cause a noise to, to be picked up in the mic. Right. So right. And you had to position the microphone right up against the TV speaker, just where it wouldn't overblow it, but it would keep it at a, the perfect distance. So it wouldn't it would seem like a natural recording right and then the, the ultimate test would be to play it back somewhere where you could listen to it they would they would sound good like in the 80s you know cars had cassette players even by then so if you could play it in a car and it would sound good in your car i thought that was always like a good, a good recording you get uh, well what's a good quality tape that i could buy well you know the the good brands that came out were tdk maxell uh, memorex right right you know and get get the high bias ones so it would give you a little higher fidelity in recording Right. So those always were the ones I would go for in the exactly. stores. You know? And I have a couple examples of some different tapes here. I want to do something with you real quick. I want to do the shake test, and I want you to tell me which one is the high-quality tape and which one is the cheesy, cheap tape. Okay? All right. All right. Here's the first one. And then here's the second one. Is that the cheap tape that, or the good tape? Well, because there's more rattle in that one, it sounded like the cheaper tape. 
Ding, 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 ding. Correct. It is the cheap tape. <laughs> this is a tape. This is a blank tape actually put out by Capitol Records. And the date on the recording on this, 1977. But yes, this is a super cheap Capitol Records C60 cassette. <laughs> and the second one, the one, the really good quality one, is a TDK Professional Master Series cassette. Yep. See, that's, that's one high, I would have gone high for. High bias. It's got a really good shell. The tape, leader tape has little markings on it that tick by the seconds when it goes by. And, and the sound quality is excellent on those nicer high bias tapes. But when we were kids, we didn't have that option. <laughs> we had no, we... cheesy, cheap three packs of tapes at Woolworth for 99 cents. And they were about as cheesy as you could get. They were, they were bad. I, re- I remember uh, uh, the time where you set up, in order for me to not hear background noise, you set up a speaker system that I could record directly into the, uh, my re- the recorder I had. You gave me a, a connector yep. that could be high-wired out of the TV, or was it through the speaker? It was, uh, uh, you, so- you, you hooked it up to the headphone jack on the TV, and yeah. you plugged it directly into the auxiliary input on the cassette deck, and it was a direct line recording, and that was a direct best, line, and that's, best way to do what, it. When I when you did that for me, that saved all my problems. That solved all my problems with uh, background noise. Right. And I loved it. You know, I uh, all I had to do was flip the tape over, but I got the best recording that way because it was a direct input. Right. Yeah. That uh, I I learned that early on when I was recording cassette tapes uh, of radio shows that I used to listen to. I used to listen to the CBS Radio Mystery Theater on AM radio, and that was back when it actually aired. It wasn't just reruns; it was actually airing at the time. I had a wire hooked directly to the speaker inside the radio that plugged right into my cassette tape. So I could hear it on the radio, but it was also directly recording into the cassette tape recorder, which made the recordings perfect every time. So I think that's that's kind of what I set up for you. That was pretty ingenious. It, <laughs> it was. It was. It, there was some fun times. But uh, So my last question for you uh, is what do you miss about cassette tapes or what don't you miss about cassette tapes? And I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, for me, I miss the simplicity of using a cassette tape because you just popped it in, you hit record, that's all you had to do. You didn't have to save a file, you didn't have to put it in a file folder like on a computer, and you didn't have 10,000 different things to scroll through to find what you wanted to listen to. You just picked the tape out, put it in the machine, and hit play. I miss that simplicity. But what I don't miss are those boxes of tapes everywhere, shoe boxes, cassette tape carriers, that sort of thing. I don't miss having those laying around everywhere. Yeah, well, the the uh, length of a cassette tape was just there was limits on it. When you got into video recording, you had six hour formats. Uh, cassette tapes were standard ninety minutes, so you had to have more of a library with audio cassettes. So you had to buy more of those in order to keep up with what you wanted to record. But the portability factor was what I liked the most about it. I think is taking it with me. I could take it in my car uh, uh, in a Walkman, you know, uh, with with headphones. You know, I could take it anywhere I wanted to go, and it was. Uh, not until CDs came around that uh, I kind of thought about, well, what do I have these cassettes for now? But but, uh, I agree that storage was was a big thing. Being able to store cassettes and have access to them whenever you wanted, you know. But the more you bought, more storage space you needed. Exactly. Another thing too that I don't miss about tapes is, especially the cheap ones. After a while, if they sat in a, a cassette case for a while and you hadn't listened to it for a long time, you put it in to play it, and it would start to squeal and it would start to drag because the tape got oxidized and it wouldn't run smoothly through the machine anymore. So you pretty much lost that recording. Yeah, you had to keep in a nice. Uh, 
air-controlled environment as best you could uh, in, a, in a proper case that was sealed uh, in another case that would that could keep it from getting uh, affected by any kind of air or anything that would uh, cause it to, to, to you know you know corrode or or lose its quality you know right. it was uh, I, I kept cassettes in that, in that kind of a format you know I had to know I had to take care of them if I wanted to keep them you know so I kept them uh, you know airtight somewhere and and then I had only take them out if I wanted to you know really listen to it but yeah yeah tape quality you know got worse over time if you left it exposed you know so i wonder how many of those tapes you took such good care of have endured being in the landfill (laughs) (laughs) it it didn't take me long to figure out that what i was listening to on cd made me realize cassettes were no longer what i wanted to have in my collection uh (laughs) then it became the audio quality from CDs became now the my main interest because there's no room for cassettes anywhere now. You know, uh, right after the players you don't have anymore, you either toss them out or you couldn't take them with you. You couldn't take a stereo cassette player around with you. You had to listen to it at home. Or but tapes at that point, the air quality was what changed it in the in the late nineties. Yep. It's like. I didn't feel like I needed it anymore, and then right. it became trash. It just became uh, worthless. Exactly. <laughs> so like I said, I wonder how many of those tapes have still survived in the landfill from being thrown away years ago. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, cassettes were on their way out because CDs were here, and CDs were taking over rather rapidly. But there was, for a time, you had the really good high-bias cassettes that were called CD cassettes. So you could dub a CD onto a cassette tape and have virtually an identical recording. Couldn't You couldn't tell the difference between the two. Mm. That was awesome that, you know, especially with the high-bias cassettes and the right noise reduction, you couldn't tell the difference between that and uh a CD, but it was a little too late because the CDs were taken over and eventually... Right, at that time, yeah, uh, yeah. by the end of the 80s, you know, CDs were what people were buying, and I could tell that cassettes were starting to wane a little bit, and uh, my interest in buying more kind of slowed down definitely by the 90s. It's uh, CDs. The first CD I ever bought was in 93. When you get hooked on that, you know, cassettes become... You knew in time they were going to start to lose interest. You were, right. They were going to lose their, their value. And then um, digital just changed everything, you know. But cassettes just became uh, so so old so fast, you know, after CDs came into the market. Right. And uh, the thing is, um, when recordable CDs, you guys, you had CDs that you could play and you were putting them on cassettes to play in your car or whatnot. When recordable CDs came out, I remember I got my first CD burner for my computer 20 years ago in 2000, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I was able to start recording on CDs and CDs started getting cheaper – Cassettes were a thing of the past for me. Right. So there was no no looking back. But I still hold on to a few for the nostalgia factor. Hey, man, it's been great talking to you about this. Um, I know we've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm glad we finally were able to carve out some time and do this. So yes, I, I'm sure we've got some untold stories in there that we didn't have time for, but uh, we'll, we'll figure out another way to sneak in some of our, our shared memories together. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, but thanks again for uh, joining me via Skype on, on the podcast, and uh, look forward to doing this with you again one of these days. Uh, I don't know what the topic will be yet, but I'm sure it'll be something good for sure. So thanks, my friend. All right. Well, I hope this episode about tape recorders has sparked some fond memories for you. It certainly did for me. And once again, I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'd certainly like to hear from you. If you have any suggestions about a future podcast, please feel free to email me at donald9360 at gmail.com. 
You can also financially support this podcast by clicking on the link below and making a small donation. It's not necessary, but it's greatly appreciated. And by the way, Norway can be added to the list of countries where this podcast is heard. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week.